When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of our podcast. I'm Lucas, I got Uriah here. Uriah, it's another Wednesday night, it's the night, the eve of the 2022 NBA draft. And guess what, Uriah? Yeah. We are coming, yep, we're coming on to some semi-breaking news with another former Sixer on the move again, Uriah. Who's that, Lucas? It is none other than former pro- former process member Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant is on the move. Was that four teams in four years? That's uh, it, uh. It, maybe not that much, but it, he has been. He's he <laughs> seems like it filled the title of uh, the you know job requirement of an NBA journeyman for sure. Uh, as most know, Jeremy Grant has spent the last two seasons on the Detroit Pistons after leaving the Denver Nuggets for a bigger role. He's gotten that role in Detroit. He proved that he can be probably a number two or pro- better fit as a number three scorer on a legit team. And guess who snagged him up, Uriah? Uh, let's see. Someone out west with uh, da- Damian Lillard needing yeah, some, some more help. Yeah, you are absolutely correct. Of course, uh, Uriah is referring to the Portland Trail Blazers trying to re- do a mini retool around Damian Lillard, and they acquire the wing. Well, I guess he's more of a forward than a wing. But Jeremy Grant, of course, a two-way star in this league, not necessarily an all-star, but borderline all-star level player. And they got him for cheap, man. They yeah, got him for like a bag of balls and a stick of gum. Pretty much. They got a, fr- a first round pick via the Milwaukee Bucks in 2025 and a couple other first, uh, second round picks and pick swaps, but nothing significant beyond that. Mm. Um, clearly, Detroit did this for the draft compensation. They're still in the middle of a rebuild and they cleared up a lot of cap space with Grant gone now. However, Uriah, real quick, how do you think this makes this helps the. Uh, Blazers and do you think this makes them an, a legit playoff contender in the West? I think Damian Lillard is probably not walking on cloud nine right now, but I'm sure he can exhale thinking, all right, I have a little bit more help. Before the podcast began, we were talking about does this really make them a contender? Do they even make the top eight or even play in for the Western Conference in the playoffs for next year? And I'm looking at the teams that made it last year, knowing that New Orleans is going to be better, knowing that the Clippers are going to come back better. Who knows, you know, what happens with the Spurs. The Lakers are probably going to do better. Timberwolves aren't going anywhere. Right. Yeah, Timberwolves, I I can't deny that they're still going to be a a contender, and Denver's going to get better. Uh, Utah might fall out of favor. That's probably the only drop-off team. 
Yeah. But it's going to be tough with Portland, even with Jeremy Grant and having Damian Lillard and Anthony Simons. It's going to be tough. What do you think? Look, this is just a Band-Aid on a wound that clearly needs stitches. Hmm. Um, I Could this help a little bit? Yeah, they would be contending for the play-in. I don't think they make it in. Like like you said, the Lakers are going to be better. Everybody else besides Utah is probably going to be better. Utah is probably going to break things up soon. But, like, I just – how do you – Portland can't attract big-name free agents. They've never been able to do that. So, and what trade assets do you have? You have a lot of young guys that don't – besides Simons, who I think is – contract extension eligible everybody else all the other young players don't have the same upside as he does and even if you trade him he's not like the uh type of player that you can get for now i did see a report somewhere saying that the that they were also pursuing og Anobi for with the yes. second uh, with the uh seventh overall pick i forgot who said that but i saw it somewhere on i Twitter. saw that too that could make a difference that could that, give them if an you extra have o- yeah if you have og and jeremy grant now they're they're clear number 3 and number 4 scorer yeah. but i mean that look they would cover up a lot of defensive problems that the blazers would have with a backcourt of simons and lillard and here's the thing it's kind of like what they did and i don't know if you remember this iteration of the team but with mo harkless and uh What's his name? Uh, Ananubi. Uh, what's his name? No, 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 no. Uh, Al Farouk Aminu. Mm-hmm. That was his name. Where those two were really good, you know, defenders, but they were so negative on offense that they couldn't, like, they were not even passable three-point shooters. Right. But the difference between them and those two, you know, Grant and possibly Ananubi would be is that they, they are legit scorers. Well, looking I, at that, looking at what they have, they could be like the Toronto of the West, and mm-hmm. that Grant is the type of player who would play for Toronto. Six nine mm-hmm. can play multiple positions, mm-hmm. nice defensively on the wing, can shoot mm-hmm. from pretty much where anywhere on the floor. And OG Adenobi would just be transplanted into the Portland franchise. Mm-hmm. I think with those two, I, I think they could make they clearly can make more noise than if they just added mm-hmm. Grant. Yeah, yeah, no, they, this can't be the only move that they make. They have to make another move to get another big-bodied wing that can defend multiple decision, positions. So going after Ananobi makes sense. And honestly, like Toronto, they could I, – I think that would be worth a look because you have Scotty Barnes, you got Pascal. You, you could use that seventh overall pick to get a quality big man in this draft, which is a – it's a big man's draft. Mm-hmm. So you could go for that. I, I think if I'm Toronto, I'm certainly seeing if I could maybe squeeze out somebody else, maybe like a Josh Hart. Yeah. Or and here's a sleeper on that Portland team, real quick. I think if healthy, Justice Winslow could be a really good second unit guy because he's not great def- offensively, but he can play make and he's a great defender. Yeah, I won't argue that he he's not a starter, but he could be a nice addition to mm-hmm. to the bench. But let, let's go ahead yeah. and switch on to to some Sixers related stuff, mm-hmm. Lucas. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you've been paying attention all day, there's so much going on in the NBA from Brooklyn to Portland and everywhere in between, including Philadelphia. So it was on fire today, man. Just rapid fire tweets related to some former teammates of James Harden I'm talking about PJ uh-huh. Tucker and I'm talking about Eric Gordon. 
So according to Keith Pompey, the Sixers intend to offer P.J. Tucker a three-year, $30 million contract. So, Lucas, how do you feel about P.J. Tucker joining the Sixers? Look, Joel Embiid said it after the Miami series. P.J. Tucker is the type of guy that they need on their roster. Clearly, front management is listening. Maury has a connection to uh, Tucker as well, clearly from the Houston days with Harden. The, 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 I mean, the Sixers need toughness, like mm-hmm. that, like that, that bulldog mentality. And while Tucker drove us crazy during the playoffs, you know, with his antics for the Heat, I certainly think that Sixers fan would would embrace his blue collar attitude. And here's the thing: you can play him. You could start Tucker if you really wanted to. Now, I think he's like 36 or 37, so there is a risk there. Mm-hmm. But the third year would be team option, if I remember correctly. And more importantly, Uriah, is that you can play him as a starter along with uh, Tobias Harris. Mm-hmm. So you we can be so interchangeable defensively. You can just put Tobias on the weaker offensive play. But honestly, Tobias really proved himself in the playoffs here defensively. The other thing that I would like to remind most fans of, yes, P.J. Tucker is 36 years old, but Uriah. Mm-hmm. There was a big portion of his career that he did not play in the NBA. Did you know this? Yeah, from 07 to 2012 right yeah he played yeah. over he played in other leagues that that puts him pretty much in his nba prime at this point yeah in terms of mileage mm-hmm. like the mileage like it's it's important it's an important fact like Let all me- the sixers need to do is you know put them in the corner on offense shoot three pointers which they need and then defensively just unleash them well, let me say that you're absolutely right that they could play him in either forward position. Most likely, most likely the small forward. I mean, he yeah, he's yeah. tough. He can bang. He can get in anybody's face, as we saw when he got in the oh. face of, of KD last season. He is long in the tooth, 37. And to give him multiple years, I don't know if that's smart. Three years, 30 well, million. Re- Really only two years because that last year's team option. Right, right. That's true. Now, one thing to to consider, you know, he played three years with Houston. That means he played alongside James Harden, which Mm -hmm. is probably a a major factor why he would even want to come here. We're pretty much, you're right, pause for a second. We're pretty much the Rockets 2.0. If they can pull these, if these they, deal. if they pull off this deal and, and Eric Bledsoe, I mean Eric, not Eric Bledsoe, Lord no, I'm sorry, Eric Gordon off, then yeah, they're I used to get a mixed up too. Don't worry, <laughs> I used to get a mixed up all the time. I know. I thought Eric Gordon was going to be the next coming of D Wade before he's he injured his Ooh, knee. Never say that again, man. No, D Wade. No, you did this mention in the same breath. Come on, man. College. No. Okay, college. Okay. Okay, anyway, sorry. No, no. It, look, P.J. Tucker, here's my biggest fear, right? I remember the last time the Sixers traded for a player or picked up a player. We added him to the roster. He was Mr. Tough Guy, Mr. Tattoos, Mr. Ain't No B. You know what I'm talking about. Mike Scott. Love Mike Scott. Okay. But at that point of his career, at that point of his career, he was meant to do what? be an enforcer, knock down threes, play decent defense. Well, isn't that what we're getting with P.J. Tucker? Okay. Except uh, uh, older? Except okay. older? 
okay, here's the difference. Mike Scott wasn't prim- was not a lockdown defender. He was never he was a grit and grind defender, but he was never a lockdown defender. Like you could beat up Mike Scott if you wanted to on the mm-hmm. you can't do that to PJ Tucker unless you're like Joel Embiid or Yo- Nikola Jokic. Like think about it like this. If you want to think about it like this, PJ Tucker is the equivalent to Draymond Green, except that Draymond Green is a much better playmaker and PJ Tucker is a better three point shooter. Defensively, they're the same type of player. Yeah, my thing is by the time Mike Scott got here at the age of 30 years old, he was on the decline. So if PJ Tucker's 37 going to 38 or in that realm, it's he doesn't have that many great years of being a lockdown defender. So I like what he brings being a, a good shooter. He's a, Hey, look, he won a championship with Milwaukee just two seasons ago. So he brings yeah. that experience. He brings that toughness. And like you said, starting off your segment and bead co-signed for him. He literally mentioned him in the, in the post-conference. If your best player wants somebody, you go get that best player. It doesn't matter. Oh, at yeah. All. Yeah. I, I can't yeah. deny that. I can't deny that. So I have a question for you though, because mm-hmm. you got to consider where he was last year and also consider who he played with last year. He only played with the top team in the East, the Miami Heat. So my question to you is, if they had so much success and, you know, they have the Heat culture, right, why doesn't he want to stay in Miami? It has nothing to do with that. First off, I think there is a connection aspect here that, you know, the the NBA, even though there's tampering rules, there's always the hush-hush talk between players and agents. And so I, I honestly think there's a little bit of recruiting here on James Part Harden's behalf, if I have to speculate. And this is purely just speculation. Do not aggregate me, guys. Please don't. <laughs> okay? But, like, if I had to speculate, I, I would suspect that there's some, like, back-channel recruiting here. But also, like, the other thing is, it appears to me that the last two times, you know, Tucker has hit free agency. He's gotten paid a little bit more each time. I suspect nothing different here. I expect this is primarily a money move, mm-hmm. but also, like I said, there could be there. there it's possible, not saying that there is, but there, it's there's a possibility that there might be some back channel recruiting done on you know Harden or poss- possibly even Maury's behalf. Who knows? Look, all I know is he was he was in Harden's jersey in that series, and he frustrated. He made life kind of difficult for James and. Yeah. I thought it was entertaining. Well, he might be one of the best players to know how to guard James because he played with them the longest. Yeah. But let me, let's, let's look at the other player that's being rumored of coming to the Sixers. According to Brian Winhurst, I know some people don't really take him seriously, but he does have connections. I I, I take him seriously. Well, I know some people like to, uh, I don't know, they, they label him as a LeBron fanboy and that's how I mean, he got on but but most I mean, people yeah. most people in the nba not most but some prominent journalists people who have their own shows like Stephen a who covered ai for years like that's that's how they got that's their name he, out there because yeah. who they covered right i mean so, yeah he's probably is he a fanboy yes yeah, so he's a lebron fanboy but at the yeah. end of the day he, he he does his job well and he yeah. he has his sources i yeah. i respect him yeah he he Covered the team, he reported, and he he climbed the ladder. But that being said, the Sixers and the Suns, according to him, are the teams most likely to land Eric Gordon. So I'll throw some stats out there for people who aren't familiar with what he did the past few seasons. So 
when he was in Houston, let's see, uh, for six years, he averaged 16 points a game, shot 36% from three, 51% from two. Last season, he, his numbers dipped, but he only played 57 games. He, excuse me, he scored 13 points a game. So what's your take on him joining the Sixers? Look, you could say that it's age with Eric Gordon, why his production went down, but his percentages were still there. So I think it's partially just because he was on a rebuilding team last year. Mm-hmm. And it's clear that the Rockets are going embracing the full rebuild this year. They've already traded Christian Wood. Don't be surprised if they buy out like or waive John Wall because that could totally happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it looks like Eric Gordon's going to be on the move. And don't be surprised if he gets traded on draft night. It's mm-hmm. totally possible he's set to make nine point six million this uh, next season. No, the, yeah, it's a no. little pricey, Uriah. No, yeah, not- hey, I you're talking about Eric Gordon. Yeah, it's nineteen point six. Oh, I thought you said nine. Yeah, it's no, nineteen. Yeah, nineteen point yeah. six. Yeah, yeah. Could the and, it, then, this, and then twenty yeah. million, and then almost twenty one million in twenty three, twenty four. Yeah. So I mean, and he's what is he right now? He's thirty three. Thirty three. Yeah. So, and, but here's the positive. You're right. He was former sixth man of the year just about six years ago. The guy clearly would be an upgrade over anybody the Sixers have on the bench. He is a shooting guard. They should not play him in the starting lineup. I'm not saying that. However, the Sixers need some scoring. You could you could package together a deal involving Danny Green, Cork Maz. You could throw in Jaden Springer or somebody else to make the money work. The money's close. You're about with those three. You're about 17 million, roughly. Get pretty close to what you need to get to make yeah. that deal happen. And if you throw in the first round pick, they probably could get a deal done. I wouldn't throw in a first round pick plus Jaden Springer, but you know, you're trying to maximize the window now. So if you have to, you have to. And clearly, he fi- he fixes a lot of the scoring issues that the Sixers have had coming off the bench. He does. He he gives you a, an offensive punch. I clearly remember him putting on a, a shooting clinic against the Sixers. They only played twice a year, but but the fact that him and Harden probably still have some type of chemistry. They they haven't been separated too long, and you know he's a he's a great spot up shooter. He he can get to the rim, but that's not what he's mostly known for. And mm-hmm. if the Sixers can match up those salaries and throw in those players that you just mentioned. It's definitely a, a nice addition to the roster that could help give them some additional firepower off the bench. So I'm I'm all for it. I, I would love to see Gordon in the in the Sixers jersey, and and I'll be honest, I'd like to see PJ Tucker, but we just have to see what what the Sixers are willing to give. Money is gonna be tight, and the, the thing with Tucker is I don't know if you if you make the deal for for Gordon, you're gonna have. I don't know if you're going to be able to use the full mid-level exception or if you're going to only be able to make the offer the mid taxpayers mid-level exception, which is $400 million less mm-hmm. than what the Sixers are reported off going to offer him per year. So I don't know all the salary cap implications there, but I suspect it will be some tricky business there regarding that. But, you know, I think – and, by the way, it's interesting that the Suns were the other team because back uh, – a while back, Gordon had the option to re-sign with the Pel- Hornets, that now Pelicans. Mm. 
and uh, between them and the Suns and at the time. And I forget the reasoning why, but there, yeah, I just found it interesting. The Suns still want him to come to Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, he he's been around, geez, since two thousand eight. He's, yeah. he's been in the league for a long time. Yeah. And this is why I said that I thought for a minute he was going to be the next D-Wade. His third season, he averaged 22 points per game, man. Like He was lighting it up he there did. for a minute. Yeah. He did. But, he did. but you know, obviously injuries certainly took a lot of that away. But he, and he was never the same athlete. But I thought he was going to be one of the best shooting guards in the league at one point early on in his career. And Uriah, I'm going to have to talk about your boy, your favorite, he's liable. Wait a minute. So, you, don't, you don't always have – look, you don't always have to <laughs> preface it and say as my boy, okay? But, I, I am but, a Matisse Thibault fan and maybe just a little bit more than most people who have soured on him. He's not my boy. It's not like I have look, all his posters right, on my wall. I need to know your love for this player, okay? Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, keep going with your intro. <laughs> intro to the topic, right. man. Go ahead. All right. So, apparently, Adrian Wojnowski made this particular uh, quote about Thibault. He said, if you're a GM who hasn't gotten an offer from the Sixers involving the 23rd pick of Matisse Thibault, you probably have had your phone shut off. So, it appears by Woj's standards that Thibault's on the market and being actively shopped. What do you think about that? I'm not surprised. I'm not naive. I think that Matisse Thibault, although in, in my mind and, and probably some other people smarter than me in the basketball realm, know that he has value mostly on a defensive end. His limitations are what make him expendable. And like I said last week, if Daryl Morey can find a way to bring in someone who can really boost the roster and enhance Embiid's chances to take it to the next level, then he's going to do that. I Look, I'll say this. When it comes to stocks, right, like the stock market, so I, I invest some, and, and there are two particular companies. I'm not going to mention their names, but some companies I invested in right around the time that the pandemic hit. I waited and made a little profit, and I sold those shares. I look at those companies a day, and their value is through the roof. So I, I look, it's like, man, I should have just held on just a little bit longer. I'm thinking, if the Sixers sell now, they could miss out on a potentially special player who just has not blossomed yet. And I think recency bias has everyone on Twitter, oh, just trade him, let's trade him. I think it's like, some Sixers site, other than our site, obviously, and not official Sixers account, they tweeted out a, a poll. It's like, are you willing to part ways with Matisse Thibel? In 2,400 votes, 75% of people were like, yes. I'm thinking, this guy's two-time defensive team, right? Like, he's a legitimate potential defensive player of the year. He's just going to let that go just to clear cap space so we can sign P.J. Tucker, who's 37 years old? Like, come on, think, people. Lucas, if we... If we don't give him one more shot, I think we can regret it. That's my opinion. Well, I could be devil's advocate and say, well, we gave Ben Simmons too many shots. But instead of doing that. Ben we'll Simmons get... was the number one pick in the draft. Okay. okay, okay. was, tw- okay, what, 22? Okay. You're right. You're right. Hang on. Hang on. I got you. I'm not going to do that. I'm not okay. going to do you like that. Okay. okay. 
You don't okay. have to. I'm not, I'm not gonna do. I'm not gonna do you like that. Instead, I'm gonna. I'm gonna give you a little bone here to chew on. So, in another report, according to Keith Pompey, Pompey said the people that I spoke to say that he's been in the locker room and been in the gym working hard with the Sixers training staff. He's putting. He's been putting in a lot of work, and people are optimistic that there can be growth. Keith Pompey on Matisse Thybulle via 97 the fanatic so uriah to your point it doesn't look like thibel or the sixer staff has given up hope on his development so but, how does that make you feel now well this the staff they can put that out there but we know at the end of the day it's what daryl morey is going to do to enhance the roster and Look, Keith, it was a little confusing because Keith put that out, I think, on Monday, if I'm not mistaken. And then he also broke the news about the Sixers trying to trade and, and clear cap space for P.J. Tucker. For Keith to report that, I, I, I believe that. Like, whoever's on the training staff, they see Thibel in the gym in Camden putting up shots and, and trying to get stronger, trying to work on different skills so he can become a better offensive player. It doesn't make me feel anything because at the end of the day, it's what he does on the court in the season. And my thing is, I just want to see him get one more shot. If he does not improve, if he's still in the cellar when it comes to his numbers, three point percentage, et cetera, and then you trade him next season. He'll still have value because he's young and he has defensive talent. So, yeah, I, it doesn't really affect me either way. I just want to see him get another shot. Well, Uriah, let's speculate here for a second real quick. Mm-hmm. Speaking of another shot, but let's think about this for a second. And, yes, that was a pun leading into this <laughs> next point here. If Thibault did get the second vaccine shot, wink, wink, has – and has a decent series versus Toronto and Miami. Is his name still rumored in the offseason like it is now, or is he back in the good graces of the front office? That's a great question, and not just because I created it. But uh-huh. if you think about it, think about it. The last probably six, 16, 12 to say I, I don't know the numbers. Let's say, let's say 12 games of the season when Harden got here and he helped the whole team get better. Thibel was part of that mix. He was one of those players yep. that was elevated because of James Harden's vision, talent, and leadership, right? So mm-hmm. if Thibel does get that vaccine shot and he does travel to Canada, or let's say we didn't match up against Toronto. Let's say we played Brooklyn in the first round. I think he would have had a, a series that he would normally have, you know, seven points a game, two steals, two blocks, 18 minutes a game. I think the Miami game was impacted by the Toronto series. So, you know, we could speculate and, and I think he wouldn't be rumored as much. I think he would, he would still be in the good graces of of the fans and and the the franchise. What do you think? Look, even if he shot well in those series, he's not shooting a high enough volume for it to make a significant impact. So do I think it would help? Sure. Do I think it'd make it significant impact? Like completely stop all tops? No, I don't think it would. But it might help a little bit with some of the minor talk. But he only average. You don't need him to take, but so many shots because you legitimately have four players 
who scored 20 points a game or more. But you're right. You need him to attempt more than 1.5 three-pointers in a game, which is, by the way, what he averaged in the second half of the season. You are right. I can't argue that. But if his efficiency was... Efficiency doesn't matter if you have a low enough you know, volume, okay? But those, but the value. Listen to yourself, man. Like the volume is spread out amongst the four starters who oh. dominate the offensive playbook, right? Okay, okay. He let's, can only take the shots that that are passed to him, Lucas. Okay, 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 okay. Let's think about it like this. Remember when the Sixers had that super starting lineup of Jimmy Butler, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris, JJ. and JJ, right? Yeah. You're right. They were still all averaging 17, what was it, at least 15 points a game between each one of them. So that argument doesn't work there, Uriah. And no, none of it's... them were the playmakers. Playmaker, like even Ben Simmons is not the same level of playmaker that James Harden is. So, but like I also think it's, there. I think it's role. I think it's role and expectations. Okay. He... But expectation. Is that when Thibault came in that he could be an elite three and D wing? Well, the D's there, but the three is not. And wow, that did not come out right the way that I wanted. <laughs> um, anyway, I'm not saying nothing. Okay, anyway. I'm focused on basketball. Uh, basketball, basketball. Anyway, the defense is there, but the three point shot is not. That being said, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm an adult. I swear I'm an adult. Okay. Anyway, um, are you? No, not really. <laughs> I'm a kid on the inside. I, I have the humor of a teenage boy. Aren't you the I guy apologize. that brings up Dragon Ball Z all the time? I, you know what, man? First <laughs> off, I bring up Naruto, not Dragon Ball Z. See what I'm saying? Secondly, I, I have no idea are, what the hell that is. You should know. You work with middle schoolers. Look, okay? Man. You need to connect with the children. Okay? For, secondly, and like, Look, man, there's a lot of it. TikTok and YouTube. I don't know what okay. you're talking about. Uh, you got to connect with the kids more. Anyway... Get on there, love your eye. Anyway, uh, and there's a lot of NBA players that like anime as well. Okay, just saying. But uh, land the plane, Lucas. Come on, okay. land the plane. Let's go. You got me so off topic here. <laughs> um, I got myself off topic. I can't even blame you on that one. Um, that being said, about Tobias Harris, that the three point shot just has not gotten there. Pretty much a decline until like the second half of this season. Every season from his rookie year. That it just needs to get better, Uri, and I'm sure mm-hmm. it could can over time. I don't think this is an Andre Robertson situation, but at the same time, it, it has to happen next year, and I don't think a good playoff series would make that big of a difference because he did have his moments in the Miami series, but they were too little too, and too spread far apart to make it right. a, a significant <laughs> impact there. I'll, I'll give you that, but on the volume thing, I'll have to agree to disagree, and I'm going to transition now. Okay. Okay, even though he has not been part of this organization for quite a while now, several months, listen, you, you just can't escape it, man. And, you can't, and, can't we, though? No, you, you can't because I, I for, for a long time, we are always going to be connected to the Brooklyn Nets because of the uh. trade that happened. Now, we have James Harden. Why? Because we traded Ben Simmons for him. Uh. So there, was a, there was a Ben Simmons sighting. And he went fishing. He went fishing. We got to talk about it, man. I'm looking no, at it right now. Do we really have to? 
Can we? Th- I'm gonna make a poll on this after this podcast comes out, asking if we really need to talk about Ben Simmons again on the podcast. It, it, look, if it's more than fifty percent that says drop it, then I'll never put his name in the agenda again. But we ha- Thank you. look. It's just it's like you like to say it's low hanging fruit. But here he is in swim trunks and he's sitting in a boat and he's probably somewhere off the coast of the Atlantic, and he has a big old fishing rod and he's he's having a good old time. What do we make about Ben in his recent vacation pictures, deep sea fishing? He's using his his right hand as the real hand, the the one to pull in the wire for the fishing line, which is usually used by your predominant hand. Oh, I see what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, I you see exactly (laughs) what I'm doing. doing. That's quite that's quite brilliant. You said low hanging fruit, so I'm looking at like any little thing that I can make fun of here, and that was one of them. His eyes are closed, so he's not even looking at what he's fishing. He's like, he's not. And somebody, I didn't even notice the hand that's on his line, but somebody's on like near the his line, like messing with his line on his fishing. Like, I'm not a fisherman, but like, come on, bro. <laughs> it looks like it's like he looks like he's like getting ready for a picture on Instagram, but didn't actually wasn't actually ready. So now he's just like, I don't even know why you would post this. This this is not a good picture, bro. Look, I don't know much about fishing, but I do know that there are some funny comments on Twitter. And that's one of the reasons why I put this in here. There's some comedy in here. Like, you you just can't help it. You know, Ben Simmons is not just a Philadelphia disgrace. He's a national, I dare say, international disgrace. So I I would say international, yeah, because Australia wants nothing to do with them now. So check this out, man. I'm I'm not going to say their names, but someone put in response to Ben Simmons uh, going fishing in his offseason while people like um, Tyrese Max here just chucking up threes in practice. But that's another story. So this one guy said, nice to see that back surgery was 100% effective pulling that fishing pole. Someone else said, I've seen more vacation pics of Ben Simmons than him playing in a jersey. Ouch. Mm. They put like a skull next to that. It's It's true, though. Uh, this guy says, I want to see the video of him attempting to throw the fish back into the ocean and missing. <laughs> and the last one, I wonder if the fish were emotionally ready to be caught. So, no, no, I got one, Uriah. Go ahead. Instead of reeling in the fish, he, he passed it off to a boatmate. Oh, that's. And look, and here's all the people who might be listening because there are still some Ben Simmons supporters, defenders. People are probably out there. Oh, they're just, he's living. He's living rent free in their head. But let me let me break something down to you. All right, he's not living rent free in our head because Ben Simmons' failure on the Sixers was at a cost. He cost this entire franchise and fan base the hopes and dreams of a championship. So to to say that he's living rent free, no, he we spent a lot of time supporting him. And he let us down. He let the whole city down. He will go down as the greatest Philadelphia sports villain in history until someone else comes along. But, but yeah, that's, that's our Ben Simmons take. And, you know, with everything going on in Brooklyn right now, it's no surprise that there's drama surrounding them. Oh, you know what? Here, here I got one for you. Mm-hmm. Ben Simmons didn't, wasn't emotionally ready to deal with the, tra- the Kyrie Irving trauma, drama going on, so we went fishing. Speaking of which, what, what's your what's your take on that with Kyrie? Oh God! For those that don't know, Kyrie Irving and the Nets front office, led by Sean Marks, are at an impasse on contract extensions. It, it's widely assumed that Kyrie wants 
a full max extension fully guaranteed. And my guess is that Sean Marks, and rightfully so, has not offered the full max fully guaranteed. And I think it's the right move. Look, here, here's the worst case scenario that happens here. You let Kyrie walk. Okay, fine. Because, you know, it's saying that the Knicks or the Lakers, both teams would need to do a sign-and-trade, by the way, to get Kyrie because they can't afford him straight up. To, so he, both of them would have to do a sign-and-trade. So the, the Nets would be getting something back. Mm. But let's just say Kevin Durant's not behind it. Do you want to keep Kevin Durant? Absolutely. But if he asks out because Kyrie Irving's not there, He's under contract long-term, and this is what I, – I believe it was Stephen A. Smith or Kendrick Perkins. One of them said this, that you can get the farm for Kevin Durant. All the draft assets that you lost in the, in the James Harden deal, you could probably get that back and some. So, like, do you want to keep Kevin Durant? Absolutely. But, look, look this – the reality is in three seasons with Kevin Durant, the Nets have only won one playoff series. Okay? So, was it really worth it? I don't know. <laughs> All I have to say is I thought the Sixers controlled the uh, the position of most dramatic franchise, but Brooklyn within just one season – they swooped down and they took that thing and they ran with it. Because... I don't know. I don't think we're the most I, like top five for sure. We're in the top five, but I, I don't know if it's us. The Lakers are the, I think it's the Nets, or maybe no. the Knicks. The si- Lakers. Yeah. This the, you're, you're saying the Sixers haven't had the most drama in the past, like five to six years. I mean, or you're just talking about last season. I'm talking about last season. Uh, <laughs> I think all the drama the Sixers have put up with, since 2013 just okay really if we're talking about over a long diminishes longer... anything from last year yeah so like look lakers had so much inner turmoil that who knows who actually has genie bus's ear clearly frank vogel did not have control in that locker room russell russell westbrook was a disaster we all saw that coming apparently at least at least westbrook showed up and played man yeah yeah no no no. i give him credit give him credit for that yeah and then you got you know Kyrie. apparently did you hear about this Kyrie after practices ran Mm -hmm. another practice without steve nash or any of the other coaches there if that's true that is completely that is yeah messed up no Kyrie, because they signed off on nash didn't they They signed off on him no, KD signed off on that. Uh, KD, KD gets what he wants, and he wants Kyrie to be happy. But look, here's the deal, Kyrie. You gotta say, I Kyrie Irving for all the great philanthropist stuff that he does, and he does a lot. In purely in terms of basketball, I think he's a little bit egotistical. In terms of basketball, you know who he kind of reminds me of in terms of basketball. Ego, Stephon Le- Marbury. Oh, I, I thought you were going to say LeBron, but... No, no, no. Yeah. Yes. Okay, you have to explain that one. Why Why is Marbury compared to Kyrie? Look, look they both are a little bit out there, right? <laughs> you mean the, the, t- the star tattoo on I the mean, head? I'm, yeah. I'm talking about, like, just out there. Like, yeah. just how you view the world. Yeah, Marbury is out there. Literally, yeah. he's out there in China. 
He's yeah, 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 yeah. I think he actually owns the team now, but that's not the team. Yeah. Um, Marbury was a very talented player in his era. Like, you know, he was probably what top five point guard at in his prime. Yeah, yeah, I would yeah. agree. Um, Kyrie, top five point guard in his prime. Now, obviously, Kyrie is a lot better version of what Marbury was. Marbury wasn't nearly as efficient, but they both had sick handles. They both could take over games. Like, and I'm not like yet again. I'm not saying that Stephon Marbury and Kyrie Irving are the same player in terms of skill. Obviously, Kyrie's a lot better. Mm. But in terms of like how the franchises had he, they felt like the franchises owed them something. Yeah. That's what I'm saying here. Yeah. Like a little bit egotistical in that way. Well, ego is ego. But but let me get back to this. I have one question before we move on to the, the mm-hmm. Michael Rubin topic. So Brooklyn, they're having issues, whether it's coaching, star players, what have you. Do you think, Lucas, that Brooklyn regrets trading James Harden for Ben Simmons? Nah, no, no, no. Okay. No, I don't, why? I don't why? So. Look. The trade alone, even though James Harden was great, James Harden wasn't plugging the holes that they needed. They needed depth, and the Sixers gave him that depth with mm. Andre and Seth Curry. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, they got a little bit of draft assets back, too. 2023-2027 um, first-round picks. And then on top of that, like – if you get even a fraction of what Ben Simmons was for the Sixers, let's just say Ben Simmons comes out, you know, what he was for the Sixers. That's like, that's still an all-star, like all-star level right. production. I don't know if he'll ever be voted again because I don't Defensive think Defensive player of the year. Yeah. Nomination. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, like for all the crap that we give Ben Simmons and trust me, I love giving Ben Simmons crap, but in ter- what he can actually do on the basketball court, he's a lead defender. Top probably top 10 playmaker, top five playmaker in the NBA when dialed in. Like, he's really good. But and he's, a, he's a sharp dresser when he's sitting on the bench. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He looks like his orange pants. Like that. <laughs> I don't know. For most Sixers fans, this comes kind of like a somber news, but Michael Rubin, uh, former minority owner of the Sixers, as I said, former is because he sold his, he's uh, either sold or planning on selling his 10% uh, share. I forget. Is it, has he already sold it or is he planning on selling it? He, I think, I think he's going to sell it that when that happens, there's a lot of paperwork and, and documentation mm-hmm. exchange, Yeah, but it, it was really a conflict of interest because of, yeah, he's in charge of fanatics, right? Yeah, he's CEO of that that company. Yeah. It's it's a global company, and good yeah. for him. And he wants to focus in on that right now. Yeah, from what I understand, that that's his main the main reason why he's leaving the franchise. Um, that being said, you know, Ruben was a big part of the city of Philadelphia in terms of the Meek Mill situation, as well as you know having a close relationship with James Harden. So Uriah, let me ask you this: uh, What came to mind when you heard the news that he sold his uh, stake in the, of the Sixers? Two things came to mind. One, the one thing you mentioned about the James Harden and Meek Mill connection—I'll get to that in a minute. But I also yeah. thought about Josh Harris, who bought the Sixers when their value was much lower than it is now, mm-hmm. but because of Joel Embiid's popularity and winning, having winning seasons since like what 2016, 17, 17. Now the franchise is worth a couple of billion, if I'm not mistaken. So it, it made me think of Josh Harris that at some point he's going to cash out, and it'll be interesting I think so too 
it'll be interesting to see the direction that the team will go once Josh Harris uh, bails. And and our people know this. He's the he made his billions off of Apollo Management Group. Uh, so I was about to say, yeah, isn't he like real estate tycoon or something? No, or something? he would he would take over failing businesses and, that's and right, yeah. Yeah, build yeah, them yeah. up and then sell them. So that, that's yeah. what he was into, which is kind of what he did with the Sixers. But anyway, the other thing, real quick, is I think, and this is unpopular because you know I'm from Philly and I understand that Meek Mill is is such a staple in the community and his song back in the 2017 Super Bowl was like the team theme song in the locker room. And I love that song, by the way. I think it was Dreams and Nightmares. But I think the whole ordeal of him going to jail, gun possession, drug possession, I don't remember the details, but I actually was, I wasn't really, like, really on that side. Like, yeah, free Meek Mill. I wasn't really, like, out there. Uh, not like Michael Rubin was. And I, I've mm-hmm. changed my position on that because I read that the judge had some really unfair consequences for him with his parole situation. But Michael Rubin will be remembered mostly for him, you know, lobbying and, and trying to get justice, what he thought was fair justice for Meek Mill, who's a who's a Philly native and, and icon. So mm-hmm. that's what comes to mind with him. So before I get into the next topic, I do I do want to mention these two things. Uh, Michael Rubin, I I always associate him with James Harden because I'm not I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to I'm not into rap. I don't really follow modern music. I'm more of a class like 80s, 90s guy myself, a little bit early. Little Whitney Houston. Oh, you know, it, you know, <laughs> little little Prince, Michael Jackson. Uh, uh, no, 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 no. More like Billy Joel. David Bowie. I got yeah. you, man. I also like a lot of the '90s grunge, but anyway, my point, my point being, is that um, when it comes when it comes to the Meek Mill stuff, I was just like, clearly the city supports them. I support the city, so mm-hmm. I'll go with that. But I, it's not personal to me because I don't listen to rap like that. Like mm-hmm. my probably one of my favorite rap songs is actually a crossover when Nelly did it with Tim McCraw over and over again. Okay. Yeah, yeah. How's, that, even... how's that go? I'm not <laughs> I'm not doing the bars on the podcast. You are out of your mind. But Boo. Uh, you, you know what? I'll tell you afterwards. Take okay? risks. All right, fine. No, no risk for me. No, no, no. <laughs> That's you, my friend. That's you. But no. Anyway, my point being is that um I will always remember Michael Rubin's influence on getting James Harden here. I'm not a big like I'm not like unless you're Genie Bus. I'm not like huge in, involved in like ownership because like unless you're like the Mark Cuban or like the Genie Buses of the NBA. Like the ownership usually stays pretty well hidden. Yeah. And so I'm not like overly like emotional one way or the other. But you know I can respect others that are yeah. in that regard. But before I get into this next question, I do want to preface this by saying that. I think it was Derek Bodner that tweeted this out that even though, you know, Michael Rubin selling his stake in the team, it sounds like he's still going to be pretty involved. Oh, Which yeah. brings me to my next point here. Do we think his relationship with Harden will help to determine the outcome of Harden's next deal with the Sixers? That's a good question. And I think that because, like you said, it was reported by Derek Bodner 
that Ruben is not just going to step away and, and just go fly overseas and stay there. He's going to still be connected to the team. And because they're friends, they're literally friends, then I can't see why he wouldn't use his his connection to the Sixers as former minority owner to try and say, hey, James, this is, you know, you need to run it back with this team. And if you need to, you know, take less money, then, you know, do that and, you know, or work a deal out that satisfy you, satisfies you to the point where you can suit up and, and try to win a championship because they do have a legit chance. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be easy, but yeah, there's no reason he, why. There's yeah. no reason why I, he wouldn't try and help Harden stay in Philadelphia. Yeah. And from what I've seen so far, it sounds like Harden's willing to take us a, a short-term deal, maybe on top of that. I'm not sure if the extension is going to be, you know, the player option is going to be a part of that. I wasn't 100% sure on that, but it sounds like that Harden's willing to take a less than max contract, full max contract, which is good. But I'm sure we'll figure that out as time comes along shortly. But Uriah, I think it's that time. People will probably be listening this on this draft night and then the night after. So hopefully the Sixers either make a really good selection or a really good trade. But you want to go ahead and play us out. Yes, I, we're all excited. We know something is bound to happen in the next 12 to 24 hours, and, and we're all going to be tuned in to the TV and to podcasts and obviously social media. So that being said, this is Lucas and Uriah on behalf of the Sixer Sense podcast. Please make sure you subscribe to this podcast, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. We're even on Audible, guys. So click that subscribe button let us know leave a comment if there's any topics that you want to hear discussed on the six or sense podcast please go ahead and leave a comment until then we'll catch you next time save big on your memorial day barbecue all in the kroger app get half gallons of delicious kroger milk for 129 each then get flavorful tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for 249 a pound all with your card and a digital coupon shop these deals at your local kroger today or tap the screen now to download the kroger app to save big today kroger fresh for everyone prices and product availability subject to change restrictions apply see site for details